Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to be here. And uh, how many have come with expectation, believing God for something? I know I have. Uh, this is the second service this morning. And I always feel like the people in the second service always get like uh, gypped, you know? Because I, I, for me anyway, because I give everything that I have in the first service. And so I never take it lightly when I uh, stand behind the pulpit. But uh, I believe God's going to do something great today. He's going to speak to you. You'll be ministered to. Before we get into the service, I just want to mention a couple of things. Uh, number one, I brought my son with me. Uh, I've never brought anyone in my family, so now you know that I'm not lying. I do have a son. I have a daughter at home, and I have a wife at home. But my son, Matthew, stand up real quick. My son just turned 11 years old uh, a couple of days ago. And uh, I know some of you are looking, and like that's a big, that's one big 11-year-old. Absolutely. That's why I'm taking him with me now. He's going to be my bodyguard. And uh, I told the first service, I'll put... I like we we uh we're at the Bible College up uh in Maine and a lot of the students there and there's a couple of students that from here uh, from this church that attend that school and I said I'd put five dollars on him against anybody at that school and uh, and I did forget to mention this my wife works at the Bible College and uh, she was the dean of women uh, when she was at the Bible uh, last year but this year my wife has actually got promoted and not only is she the dean of women but she is also uh, the student life director. My wife now is the woman that if any student gets in trouble and they get kicked out, it's going through my wife. She's doing the kicking out. And uh, so, but anyway, so she just got a promotion there. And uh, but one thing that I wanted to mention was I have this thing. I don't think I've ever mentioned it here at this church. If I have, I do apologize. But we just had these magazines printed up and people in the first service were asking, are they free? Yeah, they're free. And uh, if you feel the Lord speaking to you, wanting to, to team up with us and partner with us, uh, go ahead and grab one of these. But I wanted to share an interesting story with you. One of the things that we are doing and we have been doing for the last couple of years is I have it here in this magazine. It's only like four or five pages long. And like I told the first service, there's more pictures than there are words. Uh, you know what they say, pictures, uh, uh, you know, they speak like oh, a thousand words, or 10,000 words or whatever. But anyway, so one of the things that we're doing that we have done for the last two years is we've partnered up with an organization that we're literally helping and rescuing young women that are stuck in the uh, human trafficking industry. And every month we're seeing these young girls being set free and delivered. And the, our part is the financial part. We, you know, there is a financial part to that. You don't just do things for free. But how many of us know that when God calls us to do something, he's always going to supply us with that. And I have a, a powerful testimony. I was at a church maybe like a few months ago. And the church, actually, there was less people in that church than there was here. And I was believing God to do more. And so I just prayed to God. And oh, a lot of times people will try to rub shoulders with those who have a lot of money, hoping that they will feel pity for them and, and so into their ministries. But I believe that if you just go to the one who's, uh, who has the power and the ability to speak to the person who's got the money, then God's way is always better. But anyway, we were at a church a, a little while ago, and I was believing God for great things, and we were believing to do more things in regards to this area. And God spoke to a, a you know a, a, an older a, an older woman, an elderly woman. And uh, pastor took me out. Long story short, he said, "Hey, first night of the services, we had four meetings there. Uh, first night of the service, uh, an elderly woman sowed uh, an offering into the, uh, sowed a, a generous seed into the offering." And the pastor took me out the next day, and he said, you, would you like to know what she sowed into the ministry? And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? If you're going to ask me, sure, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes. And he says, this one lady sowed $10,000 into the ministry. And, uh, and you know, I started crying because I was believing God uh, for, 
uh, you know, like uh, abundance to come in. Because I don't believe as God's children, we shouldn't be hurting, we shouldn't be lacking when it comes to doing the things of God. You know, there's more than enough in God's house to get things done. And so when I set my faith for that, like I've set my faith this month for it, uh, you know, I, I'd set my faith that there would be an abundance of supply that would come. And so when that check came in, we were able to partner with a second organization. And now not only are we helping young women escape the human trafficking lifestyle, but we're also helping young children who have been uh, forced into that lifestyle and putting them through a rehabilitation uh, uh, process uh, with the word of God. Not, not a, a worldly way, a worldly method, but a, a spiritual method. Because how many of us know that a spiritual method always works a whole lot better? And, uh, and so that's what we're doing. Amongst other things about feeding, feeding children, but if you feel led and you want to partner with us and you want to do something in, in that area, whether you can do much, whether you can do little, pick up one of these things and uh, connect with us and let's make a significant impact. Can somebody say amen? amen? Now, today I wanted to speak to you. I'm not going to take too much of your time, but today I wanted to speak to you on uh, walking uh, or living a victorious lifestyle because as a believer, you can live a victorious lifestyle. I remember growing up in the church, I always thought that a sign of your spirituality was that you would be struggling day in and day out. You know, I was always taught that as a believer, things can't ever be going good for you because if they're going good for you, then you must be living in sin. And uh, for things to be going bad for you was a sign that God was, uh, God was either like uh, teaching you a lesson or, you know, you were doing what God wanted you to do. So a lot of people have this warped mindset that in order to be a child of God, uh, you always have to be struggling or that you always have to be in opposition. And I'm not saying that opposition is not going to come your way because the truth is opposition comes to everyone. But at the same time, opposition is not a sign really of your spirituality. Uh, opposition just means that there is a devil out there and he's coming against you. But praise be to God. Bible says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And we don't have to walk out of those battles defeated. We can walk out of those battles in victory. You know, I remember growing up, they used to sing this song. And I like the song, but a lot of people take this song to mean it's something differently. That the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. And the truth is, God is God wherever you may be in life. But the truth is, a lot of people feel like they have to expect to go through the valleys of life. And I had that mindset for a very long time until I went to Bible college. Now, was it that the people at Bible college, my professors taught me differently? No, not necessarily because a majority of them, they had that mindset that if you're, you know, if you're a believer or doing things for the kingdom of God, it's not really, you know, you shouldn't be walking in the blessings of God or uh, sickness and disease sometimes is maybe God's plan for your life. I've heard it all. But what changed my mindset was I got filled with the Holy Ghost, and then I began to read the Word of God. And what I realized is this, like, the Word of God is really very simple. What is penned in the Word of God and what God spoke through the prophets of old and through the disciples, you know, He meant what He said when He said it. And so you don't need a theological book, you don't need a commentary to try to figure out what God is saying. Just get yourself a translation that you can understand, and you will see that the God we serve is a good God. And He's never working against you. God is always working for you. How many are thankful you have a God that's working for you? And so I want to encourage you today. I'm not saying that some of you were taught wrong or you were brought up with wrong teaching. A lot of people have. 
But I want to encourage you today and remind you that in the midst of everything that is going on in this world, you don't have to participate in what the world is doing, but you can walk in the favor and walk in the blessing of God. You know, I told the first service this morning when I drove down here last night, I remember last year when I came here, it would cost me about $27, $30 to fill up my Honda CRV. And if any of you know what a Honda CRV is, it's really not a big vehicle. It looks bigger because it's higher, but it's really like a Honda Accord that's just, instead of long, it's a little bit taller, you know? And the gas, you know, there isn't a very big gas tank in that, but it used to cost me about $27 to $30 to fill that thing. Now, it takes me about $55 to $61 to fill that thing. And the, but I'm not worried. I'm not concerned. I know there's a lot of people out there that are worried, they're concerned, and rightfully so. People look at that and they say, when is it going to stop? You know, but as children of God, thank God, the Bible says our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He also says that all the silver is his and all the gold is his. You know, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that even in the midst of a famine, that God's people would have more than enough. So I'm not ignorant to the fact as how, what the economy looks like right now, but thank God I may be in this world, but I'm not of this world. And I don't operate by this world's standards. I operate by Bible standard and by Bible principles. And God's word says that he will take care of his own. So I know that God's going to take care of me regardless of what happens in this world. Can somebody say amen? And so I want to encourage you today that in the midst of everything that is happening, that you can walk in victory. And I really only have one scripture to read to you uh, this morning. And it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. Listen to what it says. It says, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now another translation of this very same verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 this very same translation, uh, another translation says, but thanks be to God who always gives us the victory. And what I want to remind you uh, of today is that you can constantly walk in victory. You don't have to be going up and down in life. I believe, you know, the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed through, by the renewing of your mind. And I believe as children of God, that one of the greatest truths that we should come to know after we come to Christ is that we can walk in victory all the days of our life. You know, I like to say it like this, like this. Your days before Christ should never be greater than your days after Christ. And I've come to remind you this morning that your days of living defeated, those days are, are days of the past. And beginning this morning, when you leave this building, you can experience victory after victory after victory. Listen, your life doesn't have to resemble a roller coaster where it's up one moment and it's down the next. But what's happened is in the church world, we've become great at talking about the troubled waters of life. But I didn't come to talk about difficulties in the troubled world. Now, there are preachers, they like to talk about difficulties. They like to talk about the woes of life. But that type of preaching and that type of teaching will never set people free. The type of preaching that will set people free is people who will preach the truth of God's word. And this morning, I want to show you that you can walk on the troubled waters of life regardless of how rocky it may be. Now, 
I'm not telling you that you're never going to encounter any opposition and that you're never going to encounter any battles. Because if we could be honest, battles in opposition, they come to everyone. It doesn't matter if you're white or black, male, female, young or old, rich or poor. Troubles come to everyone. The difference between the rich and the poor, between their troubles, is sometimes the richest trouble probably costs a whole lot more money. Troubles come to everyone, but how you come out of the battle is up to you. You know, we've all heard that phrase, you win some and you lose some. But according to the word of God, I believe that you can start this, this relationship with Christ or you can walk in this relationship with Christ. You can start it in victory, continue it in victory, and finish in victory. Because the Christian life is not about living a defeated life. It's actually the exact opposite. The Christian life is about living a life of winning and walking in dominion. It's about living a satisfying life so that at the end of this life you can hear the words of Jesus Christ. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joys of the Lord. The Christian life is about walking in victory. Can somebody say amen? We're not in this thing to lose. We're in this thing to win. Now, I told the first service this. And I don't know how some of you are going to take this, but I watched something on uh, social media. It was either on Instagram or it was on TikTok. But there was this coach who said to his Little League baseball team that when we get on the baseball field, we play to win. That's what he said. Now, I teach my son. I don't know what you guys teach your kids or what you teach your grandchildren, but I teach my son. You had a son that played football, right? It's not him, is it? it was, he played for a little bit. But every time you get out on the football field, you don't play to lose. You play to win. If you play to lose, if you tell your coach, hey, coach, it's not about winning or losing. It's as long as we have fun, right? He's going to say, you're going to be sitting the bench for the rest of the game. Because I want somebody with a mindset that's going to get into that field and say, hey, I'm in this thing to win. How many of you have ever seen that TV show, American Idol? Randy, one of the judges, the original judges. Every time somebody did something good or somebody sang incredible, he'd be like, yo, dog, you're in it to win it. Because he, people, when they get up to sing, now you have some clowns that get up and they just want their five minutes of fame. But those who take it serious, they're in it to win it. They don't play to lose. This is my son. He's 11 years old. He plays soccer. I'd like to put him into football, but football always gets in the way with church. And I'm not going to revolve church around my son's football schedule. Football schedule is going to go around church, you know. And so I'd like to put him in there. I'm sure he's 11 years old. Normal 11-year-olds are like about this big. I know that there are coaches out there, if they saw my 11-year-old son, they're like, we want him to play for our team. He asked me one time, Dad, if I play football, you think I could be the guy that throws the ball? I said, no, son. You're the guy who tackles the guy who's throwing the ball. That's where they're going to put you, you know? But I teach him. I said, listen, when he plays soccer, I said, when you get on that field, you play to win. You don't play to lose. Pimentels are not losers. We are winners. And on top of that, we're God's children. God's children are not losers. We're winners. And so I saw this coach on social media. He was talking to his Little League baseball team, and this is what he said. He said, listen, every time we get on that baseball field, we play to win. And he says, and if you come from a home where your dad says it's not a matter if you win or lose as long as you have fun, he said, then I'm sorry to tell you, 
your dad's a loser. It was the best. I, I lose a lot of people during, during that quote. Well, I tell my son, it's not a matter if you win or lose. No, it's a matter if you win. You have to win. And, and here's the, the, the truth is, in, our, in the spirit, our spiritual walk, it's, we're not playing to lose. We're playing to win. Because if you lose, your soul is at stake. Listen, I'm 41 years old, and I'm going to let you in on a little, little secret. I hate to lose. I love winning. And I am the biggest trash talker when I win, too. I remember one time we were up in Maine. And uh, I live in Maine, obviously. We were in Maine. And we were at this camp called Boyd Lake. Everybody has camps up there. So a friend, a friend of mine, my, he's the worship leader at our church, invited us over. And our pastor also has a camp on that lake. And he took his boat and he, and he brought it out. And so he was giving, like, the little kids a ride on the boat. He had a big tube. How many have ever gone tubing? This tube, I'm, I kid you not, man, it was like the size of this room. It was huge. Maybe a little bit smaller, you know? But it was, it was a big tube. And so all the kids started to say, we want Nate and Paul, Nate and Paul, Nate and Paul to get on the tube. And I was like, I'm definitely not getting on that tube, you know? And eventually, eight-year-olds peer pressured me to getting on the tube. And so I got on the tube. And, and so my pastor... You know, when we get on that tube, Paul and I, both of us are on the tube. My pastor cranks the boat, and I kid you not, it felt like we were going 100 miles an hour. Well, we weren't going 100 miles an hour, but it felt like we were going 100 miles an hour. And I'm holding on, and I know some of you may think, uh, you know, Nate's got good, upper, powerful upper body strength. And, uh, but the truth is, I'm holding on to that, to that tube, and it felt like every ligament and every muscle in my arms were ripping apart. And I thought to myself, like, I was like, after, you know, I was like, it felt like 20 minutes of being on that tube. And we were really only on it for like a minute and 30 seconds so far, you know. But it felt like 20 minutes. So I thought, I felt the boat slow up. And I thought my pastor was giving us, like, some time uh, to catch our breath and to regain our strength. But that's not what he was doing. He turned around, and then he cranked it as fast as he could, going on the, in the opposite direction of the wave. Every time we hit a wave, number one, it felt like it was a brick wall hitting me. And then we like flew 15 to 20 feet in the air. And every time we would hit the water, I'm telling you, it felt like I was hitting a brick wall. But I made up my mind. I was not, because I know what he was doing. He was doing everything in his power to see if we can let go of the tube. Now, eventually, I was going to let go of that tube. But there was somebody else on the tube with me. And all the little kids were watching. And not only were all the little kids watching, my kids were watching. And there was no way I was going to let go of that tube before that other guy let go of the tube. And so eventually, it felt like we were on it for 20 minutes. But it was literally, I told you, like a minute and 30 seconds. And finally, he lets go of the tube. And in my mind, I had a thought. I'm going to let go of it right now, too. But then I thought to myself, well, I said, if I let go of it, everybody's going to say that it was a tie. And I don't, if there's anything that I hate more than losing, it's tying. And so I was like, there's no way I'm going to let this be a tie. So I made up my mind. I'm going to hold on for another 15 seconds. And I held on 
for another 15 seconds. And eventually, I let go of the tube. I go into the water. But when I come back up out of the water, I come up out of the water as the champion with the victory and all the eight and nine-year-olds cheering me on. I made up my mind. I wasn't going to, I don't care how knocked around I was getting. I made up my mind. I'm going to hold on to this tube. And you know what? In the spiritual sense, it's the same way. Regardless, you know, everyone gets knocked around, or the devil tries to knock us around in life. But no matter how knocked around you may be getting in life, let me encourage you with this. Hold on to the word of God with everything that you have. Why? Because when the attacks of life show up, it's the word of God that you carry on the inside of you that will push you through and cause you to react differently. And while other people may be moved by every little thing that may happen in their life, because of the word of God that lives on the inside of you, you can walk through that very same opposition without being moved in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? It's very important that you know the word of God for yourself. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 Verses 1 through 11 was a prime example of this. Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The devil tempted him three times. He said, turn these stones into bread. Number two, he said, bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all the kingdoms. And then number three, he said, if you'll throw yourself off the top of this mountain, God will send his angels to take charge over you so that you won't even break one bone of your body. And Jesus, after every temptation, he said to him, he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Man shall worship only God. It is written that tempt, do not tempt the Lord your God. You see, Jesus had the victory over every situation. Why? Because he knew what the word of God said. And when you know what the word of God says for yourself this morning, even though the devil may look strong and he may look unstoppable, when you know God's word and it's on the inside of you, you will see the devil for who he really is. And the Bible says that the enemy in Romans, the Bible tells us, Paul the Apostle says that the devil is a defeated enemy and that God will soon crush him under your feet. Can somebody say amen? So even though we may see the works of the enemy on the earth right now, because you are in covenant with God, somebody else's story doesn't need to be your story. Lack will never be your story. Sickness will never be your story. And fear will never be your story. Can somebody say amen to that? See, I know with everything that is happening uh, in the natural and things in the natural may look difficult right now, but no matter how fierce the battles may be, I want to encourage you with something. The Christ in you will always be greater than what you see happening on the outside. Can somebody say amen? You know, it may have seemed like the church has been losing ground and that the world has the upper head, but I prophesy in the name of Jesus that there is a shift that is happening, that things are turning around, and everything in opposition to the kingdom of God is coming under the authority of Jesus Christ. Can someone say amen? Now, you can walk in victory all the days. Well, how do I walk in victory? People hear that all the time. Well, I, you know, I can walk in victory. But how do you know you can walk in victory? I'm going to give you five simple points, if I can get through all of them real quickly. But five simple points and keys to walking in victory. Number one key to walking in victory is your expectancy. See, the Bible says in Hebrews 11:1, 1, faith is the evidence of things hoped for. Another, another word that you can use is faith is the evidence of things expected. You see, victory doesn't come into my life. It doesn't come into your life by chance, 
or luck. When you go out to play a sport uh, on the field or on the court, you don't win by chance or by luck. You win, victory comes your way, number one, because you exercised your faith and you expected victory. Now, I'm not saying that people haven't gone through some rough times and difficult times in life. But can I encourage you with something that I feel like this is going to help a lot of people? When I wake up in the morning, I don't expect for a rehearsal of last year's or yesterday's problems. When I wake up in the morning, I expect victory to happen in my life. I expect God to deliver. I expect God to heal, to save, and to provide. You know, we look at the, uh, in the Bible, the three Hebrew boys. The Bible says that King Nebuchadnezzar had made a gold statue. He says, when the music plays, everybody needs to bow down and worship the golden statue. But here's these three Hebrew boys. And when I mean boys, they were boys. They were like 14, 15, 16 years old. Their voices were at that point in life where it was just about changing, if you know what I mean. And so they were 14, 15, and 16 years old. And the king tells them, when the music plays, he says, you need to bow down and worship the gold statue. If you don't worship the gold statue, then you're going to be tossed into the fiery furnace. And so these three young Hebrew men, they refused to bow down with the music play. And this is what they said. They said, said you know, you can throw, whether God uh, save us or not, you can like this, we will never bow down. But we know that God is more than able to rescue us. And so the story goes on to say, because they did not bow down, the king, even though the king loved them, he had to make an example out of them. So he bound these three young men, and he threw them into the fiery furnace. And when he threw them into the fiery furnace, you know, I bet there was, deep, you know, there was a burden on him. He didn't want to do, but he had to make an example out of them. But when he looked into the fiery furnace, not only did they see well, one, two, or three, but they saw four. And the four looked like the son of man. Now, these young men, they weren't burned up in the fiery furnace. Why? Because they had an expectation. King, do whatever you got to do, but I know my God is more than able, and he's going to come through for me. But that wasn't the only case in the Bible. Look at Daniel in the lines then. He was to tossed into a den of lions, and when morning time came, and they looked into the lions then, they didn't see Daniel's body all uh, torn apart. But what they saw was Daniel making the lions his pillow. My friend, the reason he wasn't torn apart by the lions was because he had an expectation that his God was going to take care of him. And listen, if God was able to deliver Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he was able to deliver Daniel out of the lions then, I've come to encourage you that God is certainly able to deliver you from what you're going through. Now the second key to walking in victory, number one, is expectancy. The second key to walking in victory is your praise. Psalms 34, 1, David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. David had an understanding that praise did something that prayer could not do. We have a lot of people in the church that are prayer warriors. But we also need a lot of people in the church that are praise warriors. Listen, when we get up at the beginning of a service and we begin to sing, worship, and praise God, we're not just taking up 45 minutes of the service so that we can have a two-hour long service. No. When we begin to sing and praise God, you know what's happening? We are literally battling spiritual wickednesses in heavenly places. Some people 
need that time of worship to break through. When you begin to praise God, listen, the Lord spoke to me, and this is what he said. He says, when you begin to praise me, you know what happens? Your enemy, the devil, he begins to hear the footsteps of God. You know why? The Bible says, why why do you say that? Because the Bible says this, God inhabits in the praises of his people. If you need a miracle, you're, you're not one phone call away from Pastor Freddie. You're not one visit away from uh, the confession stand at a, at a Catholic church. If you need a miracle, you are literally one praise away. Now, not that I have anything against Pastor Freddie. He looks like a solid guy. Looks like he can hold his ground. But I'll tell you what. I'd rather have God fighting my battles than having any man fight my battle. Can somebody say amen? amen. Because man can disappoint you. But when God steps into your situation, you know what happens? Listen, if Pastor Freddie were to step into my situation and help me out, they may bring in three, four, five more people into their situation. But when God steps into your situation, ain't no other enemy going to want to step in. When God steps in, your enemies automatically step out because they understand that God is much greater, bigger, and stronger. See, when you begin to praise God, something supernatural happens where God begins to intervene on your behalf. When you praise God, all the devil senses is his defeat. And I made up my mind, you know, growing up in church, we used to sing this song, uh, praise him in the morning, praise him in the new time, praise him when the sun goes down. Listen, I love all these modern songs that we have. Don't get me wrong. Half of them have way too many words. I like some of those songs where you just repeat the same word over and over and over. And nowadays, you know what happens? Everybody wants to have this like new technology now where you have your own portable band with you and you have like these clicks and you have these tracks. And don't get me wrong. It sounds amazing. My, like I have friends who lead worship and they could just be on the keyboard and on the guitar, but yet they have this whole program with them and it sounds like they have an actual band with them. It sounds amazing. But a lot of times, things like that can turn into performance-based. And when we get before God with praise and worship, it's not performance-based. And that's why I kind of like those old-school songs. Because those old-school songs, we may repeat the same thing over and over and over again. But as you begin to proclaim, like our brother said today, as we begin to make those proclamations, as we begin to declare those things, something begins to happen in the heavenlies where every principality and power that comes against you begins to lose power in the name of Jesus. Jesus. And so I made up my mind. If all the devil senses is his defeat when I praise God, I'll praise God in the morning. I'll praise God in the noontime. And I'll praise God in the evening. I'll praise God when things go good. And I'll praise God when things are not going good. I'll praise God when there is no storm. But I'll also praise God in the middle of the storm. Why? Because as I praise God, we give God access to remove every obstacle and every enemy that may stand in our way in Jesus' mighty name. See, David understood. David understood. As long as I have a praise on my, in my mouth, I will always come out on top. See, when everyone else may be fighting for their lives in the middle of the storm, praise will cause you to walk on those troubled waters. Praise will secure your victory. 
And though trouble may come upon you, you know what the Bible says about the believer in Psalms 91 verse 8? The Bible says you will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. And what the word of God is saying is this. You will not be a participator to the troubles that are around you. You will not be a participator to everybody else's troubles in their life. But you will only be a spectator to the troubles of the wicked. And so when the devil begins to make much noise in your life, it's not time to stop praising God. But it's time to turn your praise up to another level. Can somebody say amen? amen. You know, we read a story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 uh, about the nation of Judah. And they had the uh, Moab, Ammon, and Mount Seir that was coming against the nation of Judah. And so when the nations were going against the nation of Judah, in the natural, when you have one nation being attacked by three nations, in the natural, there's no way of you winning the battle. But the Bible says that King Jehoshaphat took some time to fast and pray and to receive instruction from the Lord. And let me just say this about instruction. God's word right here, a lot of people say it's a, it's a book of blessings and the book of promises. And don't get me wrong. There's a lot of blessings that come from this book. There's a lot of promises found in this book. But can I tell you something? God's book, this, the Holy Word, the Bible, is more than just a book of promises and a book of blessings. It is a book of instruction. And when you do what God tells you to do, life will become very sweet and easy for you to live. God's instructions are not to make life hard on you. I think I may have told you this illustration at one time, but my wife, you know, she has this bright idea, brilliant idea every year of buying toys for my kids, especially my daughter, that I got to put together. And one Christmas or one birthday, she bought a kitchen set for my daughter. She said, Nate, I would really like for you, don't tell your mom I'm talking like this. Nate, I would really like for you to put that kitchen set together. And uh, so when Lily wakes up, she has it uh, in the morning and she can play with it right away. And I said, sure, no problem. How hard can it, put, can it be to put this thing together? So number one, I go to pick up the box, and I needed like three other people to pick up the box. And then I start taking everything out. Everything's, you know, in wood, fine. But then the screws come out, and I kid you not, there was like 400 screws in that box. Like for a kid's toy. So I thought to myself, well, take all the pieces out. I took the box, I put it on the corner right there, I look at the picture, so I start taking the pieces, and I try to put it together by looking at the picture and stuff like that, and my wife, and I'm mumbling and grumbling, you know, the European in me is coming out, I'm like talking to myself, I'm sounding like my dad, never thought I would ever be like my dad, now I am like my dad, and I'm like talking to myself, and my wife is in the other room, and she knew exactly what was going on, she's like, Nate, what's going on? I said, nothing, and she's like, Nate, why don't you look at the instructions? Bing. Sure. I look in the box, and guess what I find in the bottom of the box? The instructions. So I took the instructions. I opened it up. And don't get me wrong. Even though the instructions were there, uh, it still took me like four hours to put that thing together. But I did it without aggravation. I did it without talking to myself and sounding like a crazy person. And you know what? In life, when I see people, Christians, believers that are aggravated in life, all they do is complain and talk to themselves, and they sound like they're crazy people. You know what that shows me? That shows me people who have not connected to the instructions of God's word. Because God's word is not going to make life hard for you. God's instructions are going to make life easy for you. Oh, yeah, how so? Can you tell me an easier way of the Red Sea opening up than Moses 
listening to the instruction of God and saying, hey, lift the staff over the water and the seas are going to part. God gave him an instruction. Why? To make his way of escape a whole lot easier. Can somebody say amen? So the Bible says King Jehoshaphat received an instruction from the Lord. And during that time, the Bible says that the Spirit of God came upon a young man by the name of Jehazel, and he begins to prophesy the word of the Lord. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 15, he says, This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. If the Lord tells me to not be afraid, guess what I'm not going to be? I'm not going to be afraid. Do not be discouraged. If the Lord says don't be discouraged, then don't be discouraged. And then he says, don't be afraid or discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And then he says, you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. A lot of times in life when troubles seem to come at us, you know what happens? We want to take matters into our own hands. But if we will take the position of praising God, then God will begin to take the position of fighting our battles for us. And when God begins to fight your battles, then you have guaranteed victory. See, most times we only want to praise God after the battle is over. But the Bible instructs us, don't wait for the battle to be over, but begin to praise God from the beginning of the battle. Right from the start, learn how to continually give him the praise like David did. And when you learn how to continually give him the praise from the beginning of the battle, God will continually give you the victory throughout the process. Can somebody say amen? So you got to have expectancy. Number three, don't ever neglect the power of your praise. The third key to walking in victory is know who your enemy is. See, your enemy is not white people, it's not black people, it's not Portuguese people, it's not Republicans, it's not Democrats, it's not the White House, it's not the State House, it's not Harris, it's not Biden, but your enemy, according to the Word of God, is 1 Peter 5, 8, your adversary, the Bible says, is the devil. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's the unseen hand behind every wicked and evil thing we see. He's the hand behind abortion, homosexuality, racism, disobedience, transgenderism. Our enemy and our fight is not against people. Our fight and our enemy is against powers and principalities in high places. And once you understand who your enemy is, then you can walk in the revelation that the devil is defeated. Number four, the devil is defeated and Christ is victorious. And start acting like that. And start talking like that. I was at a church one time a few months ago. All they sang about was the devil. What he did, what he's doing, what he's going to do. They started by singing and they ended by singing about the woes of life. And they never once mentioned the power or the work of the cross. They talked more about who the devil was than they did about the blood of Jesus Christ that defeated the devil. But I want to encourage you that if we would focus more on Jesus than we would on the woes of life, then the woes of life will take a back seat in our lives. And I believe it will do us good this morning to follow the example of David because David understood that the enemy was a defeated enemy. So it would do us good to follow the example of David where he says in the book of Psalms, I will say 
of the Lord. You know what David was doing? He chose to focus on the Lord. He didn't choose to focus on all his enemies. He didn't choose to focus on all uh, the uh, opposition and obstacles that were coming his way. No, he chose to focus on the Lord. He said, I will say of the Lord. But in today's society, we've given the devil more attention And that's why he thinks he can do as he pleases. But I've come to tell you this morning that the devil is defeated and Christ is victorious because at the cross where Jesus hung suspended between heaven and earth, the Bible says that he spoiled principalities. What does that mean? It means that he disarmed them and he defeated them once and for all. And now the Bible says that he is seated at the right hand of the Father and he is far above every power and far above every principality. And once you understand that Christ is victorious and the devil is defeated and that Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, far above every power and principality, then you can also have the revelation of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, where the Bible says that you and I are seated in heavenly places with the Lord Jesus Christ. And what that means is this, the devil is under and you are over in the mighty name of Jesus. See, when you became born again, a supernatural repositioning happens to you. Where according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, the Bible says God places you in heavenly places. And if where Christ is seated is far above every power and principality, then that means that you too are far above every power and far above every principality. And once you realize that the devil is under and you are over, my friend, I've got good news for you. You will never lose another battle in Jesus' mighty name. There will never be another devil that will ever be a concern to you. And because he is under and you are over, can I encourage you with one final word? There's a chain of command in everything that we do, in the army, with the police, firemen, everything. Chain of, even in the church, there's a chain of command. And in the spiritual realm, there is a chain of command. And because you're seated in heavenly places and you're far above every power and principality, you don't take orders from the devil. The devil takes orders from you. The only reason you take orders from the devil is because probably you don't have the revelation of who you are in Christ Jesus. You don't have the revelation that Jesus says, I've given you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. It's actually not power. The word that they use there is authority. The devil may have power, but Jesus says, I've given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions. In the Bible, serpents and scorpions are a symbol of some of the most wicked evil that is out there right now. And what Jesus is saying, as a son and a daughter of God, I've even given you authority over the most wicked and evil spirits that are out there. You don't take orders from the devil. The devil takes orders from you. The Bible says he is under your feet. And because he is under your feet, everything the devil has ever touched in your life, he has no option but to put it back in the mighty name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Jesus said, I've given you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the works of the devil. Listen, my friend, beginning this day, you will never suffer defeat at the hands of the devil ever again. But you will walk 
in vict- from victory to victory, glory to glory, strength to strength, and faith to faith. Can somebody say amen? I believe everything that the enemy has ever touched, I declare over your life, God begins to turn it around right now in Jesus' name. If the devil's touched your finances, God turns your finances around. If the devil's touched your body, God turns your health around in the mighty name of Jesus. For those of you that feel like you're bound by anxiety, fear, and depression, God breaks that off of your life today in Jesus' mighty name. And if you believe that, shout amen in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Go ahead and lift your hands all across this auditorium. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the power that is in your word. Father, I thank you, Lord, that as your word went out, Father, it destroys every uh, critical voice or negative word that's ever been spoken against your children, God. Father, I pray in Jesus' name if there are those that are bound by fear, anxiety, and depression. Father, we break that off of their life right now in Jesus' mighty name. Father, we... Release healing right now into the bodies of your people that need a touch, Lord. Father, a fresh filling of the mighty Holy Ghost. Father, I pray that you would quicken our spirits. Give us this revelation. Let us receive this revelation, God, that we can walk in victory all the days of our life, that we don't have to struggle week in and week out. Father, I thank you that you've made us the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we give you the praise for who you are, what you're doing, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 No, you know what? I want to do something real quick. I feel led for those. Brother, if you can help me with some music. I want to pray for those that you may be struggling with something in your body. Listen, God has the power, and he's able. If God could deliver Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if he could take care of Daniel, if he could take care of Peter's mother-in-law, who was in bedridden with a fever, if he's able to raise up Jairus' daughter up from the dead. Listen, what makes you think that God can't take care of your situation? God's never failed. We sang this one song growing up, and even in our church back home in Maine, Jesus never fails. Jesus has never failed. What makes you think that your case is going to be the first case that he's going to fail? If God didn't fail before, God won't fail now. All God's looking is for people that will take him at his word. So if you're here this morning and you say, Nate, I need the Lord to step into my situation. I don't care if it's to do with your finances, a better job, your health, a, a home problem, a home situation a legal situation, whatever it may be, whatever you need God to do. And if you need him to intervene on your behalf, I'm just going to ask you real quickly, don't even hesitate, real quickly just stand to your feet, lift your hands as an act of surrender, and we're going to come into agreement right now. Everything that the devil has ever touched in your life is being returned back to you now in Jesus' mighty name. Father, I thank you, Lord, for every individual that is here who says, I need you, God, to intervene on my behalf. Father, I don't know everybody's situation, but your word says, according to their faith, be it done unto them. So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that every opposition, every attack, every battle that your children may find themselves in, Father, I declare it this morning, things begin to turn around right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I command growths in people's bodies to shrink, and to go in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I command healing to come to people's eyes in the mighty name of Jesus. Touch the blood. Touch the heart, God. Father, I pray that you would mend relationships right now. Father, I thank you in the mighty name of Jesus for supernatural favor. Father, for those who have things that should should be coming to them, that maybe somebody is standing in the way. Father, I remove that person 
out of the way. In the mighty name of Jesus. Supernatural favor in Jesus' mighty name. 